0: Good evening. This night we are going to continue our series through the doctrine of repentance with reasons to repent. Reasons to repent. Why should I repent? What, what are the reasons to repent? Well, they're simple, uh, but they can be many as we look at God's Word First, God commands us to repent. God commands you to repent. Acts 17.30 says, God is now, at this time, today, this very second, commanding men that everyone, everywhere should repent. It isn't a choice. It's a law of heaven's court. No sinner is saved except the repenter the repenting sinner. Secondly, God cannot befriend unrepentance. He can't befriend unrepentance. Isaiah 1 says, wash then, wash, and then we'll speak. You must wash. You remember what Paul writes to the Corinthians, what fellowship has light with darkness. They have no fellowship. You can't find where light and dark mingle and mix. What if God was at peace with the unrepentant? Doesn't that mean that he applauds sin? Third, the unrepentant are disqualified from mercy. The unrepentant are disqualified from mercy. Mercy. Isaiah 61. I bind up the brokenhearted. Acts 5. God exalted him to give repentance. He only pardons souls who repent. Fourthly, you and I have wronged God by our sins. Repentance is the beginning of justice. To repent is to humble and judge ourselves for sin. We admit that God is justified to damn us forever. Fifthly, if God saves without repentance, then everyone's safe. Not only Adolf Hitler But Satan's and demons are safe if repentance is not mandatory. If God saves without repentance, verses on election and damnation are entirely false. And God's word completely evaporates. Sixthly, two types of people find it harder to repent. The first are, as Hebrews 6 says, drinking rain but producing no fruit. What did Christ say to the fruitless fig tree? The second is, as Job 24 says, against light or against knowledge. And if I kill my own conscience with sinning, what will happen to the work of God's spirit in me? Which is, they say, never weep, The unrepentant are bewitched by Satan himself. Christ literally insulted and mocked the cities of Israel who refused to repent. Balaam's ass saw the angel and his sword, but the unrepentant uh, unrepentant are blinder than literally a stupid ass, as Thomas Watson puts it so eloquently. Jeremiah 5 says, you have struck them, but they did not weaken. They have refused to repent. Isaiah 1, what use is it striking you again? God ends up saying, What purpose, what what, what aim should I have in continuing to pay attention to you? You see, falling in water doesn't drown lying in it does and falling into sin doesn't damn staying in it does now for those of you that are of a scientific mind i'm curious can you name a single evolutionary purpose of sorrow what's the evolutionary purpose of sorrow Can you name any benefit of sorrow at all? What advantage is crying over the loss of anything? To my mind, it has no natural purpose or design whatsoever. Sorrow's only purpose is for the soul to grieve our sin. Evolution simply cannot explain it. Repentance is necessary for all people. And for all sins, as Acts said. First, repentance is necessary. What did Jesus say in Luke 13? He says, "Unless you repent, you will also all perish." So until sin until sin is sour, Christ isn't sweet. Secondly. Repentance is necessary for all people. Acts 17, God is now commanding men that everyone everywhere should repent. Jeremiah orders kings and queens to repent. Jonah says that king and nobles of Nineveh did repent. Isaiah says that God has a special place in hell For rulers who lead nations in sin. Watson writes, Never was there such writing post-haste to hell, as if men despaired of getting there in time. Indeed, men's sins have grown daring, as if they would wave their flag of defiance and give heaven a broadside, that is, the naval movement of ships that would run parallel with one another and out open all cannons. That's a broadside. You get the image of, of shooting all your guns in anger against God in heaven. They are, Watson concludes, desperately in sin. They fr- furiously run. And my friends, I don't know that we've ever seen in our Lifetime, a better example of that than the culture currently as it is in America. Turn or be overturned. First Samuel 2 says they would not listen for Yahweh desired to put them to death. There comes a point. When sinners run amuck for so long and so obstinate, so rebellious, so stiff-necked, that God, the God of all patience and grace, the God who's long-suffering and unwilling that any would perish, finally comes to a point when he desires to put them to death. Oh, friend, stop your miserable race to hell. And turn, or else be overturned. Cheaters, corner cutters, loop holers, the well behaved, the civilized, hypocrites must repent of their sinning in secret. Praying in public, but not in private. Carrying a Bible under their arms, but not in their hearts. Jesus calls hell a place of dismembered hypocrites, as if it's a place uniquely made for hypocrites. How are you pretending? And how does your secret life reveal the true state of your soul? God's people must repent and are not exempt. As if once forgiven, there's nothing to do at all. Repentance is endless. Godly sorrow till death. Constantly crucifying our flesh, bathing in tears. 1 Corinthians 4. Do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes. Who will make manifest the motives of hearts? Give ideas of self a violent and sudden death. You're not going to be hearing that out in the world The world's going to tell you to be proud of all your devious ways and we are to give ideas of self a violent and sudden death. Isn't it sick that God gave us clothes for our shame in Genesis 3 and we use them to reveal our pride as if hell has an award for the best dressed? Repent of your decays in grace. Repent of the low tide in your soul. Revelation 2, Jesus himself says to those professing to be believers, you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent. Love him as you once did. Everything is free, even your paycheck. God gave you everything. You did not earn anything. Who gave you the energy and the intelligence and the willpower to achieve those things? Everything in your life is free, freely given by God. Hosea 2 says that God will retake from sinners what he has entrusted to them. Oh, don't be found abusing what God has stewarded to you. Whose sin is worse? The lost who know no better, the blind who cannot see, or yours and mine who've sat under the word of God, who've seen its benefits, who's heard its promises and its warnings and yet refuse to turn. Third, repentance is necessary for all our sins original sin is inbred depravity which retards and opposes everything spiritual in us romans 7:17 7, says sin houses inside me it lives in me hell has none of worse nature than mine there's no one in hell who has a worse nature than mine. Romans 7:19. The good I want, I do not do, but practice the very evil that I do not want, because sin lives in me. If sin is blue, the color blue, my whole life is hues of blue. Every attitude, thought, action, word, And the more we sin, the more full of sin we are. Oh, friend, repent of pollution in your affections, corruptions in your will, feelings which flew us to God before our fall but now weigh on us away from God. Repent that counting your sins is less possible than numbering the drops of water in the ocean. Do you lack motivation to repent? What will excite you to repentance? First, ask God for a heart melting at his word. Iron shards are useless unless they are melted and formed. Hard hearts are worthless unless melted by repentance into Christ's image. Only melted wax is ready to be sealed. Melted repenters obey God like the echo of a voice that comes back, sounding exactly like God's own. Secondly, repentance is most acceptable to holy God. Only the broken heart is healthy. Psalm 51, David writes, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Tears are more precious than perfume. Silent they speak. Psalm 6 says, The Lord has heard not my voice, but the voice of my weeping. Our weeping has a voice before the all-knowing God who sees the heart. Third, Repentance recommends our work to God. God's choice meat is salty with tears. Which prayer pierced heaven? The Pharisees or the tax collectors? God is touched by those touched by sin. Fourth, without repentance, nothing will benefit us. What good is knowledge without repentance better to kill one sin than master all theology unrepenting theology is just a torch to light the path to hell and many sadly have walked that path to their destruction there are many fine theologians in hell fifth repentant tears are delicious Repenting like cologne tastes awful to us, but it smells sweet to God. Tears are wet, salty, hot, bitter. And repentance is wet to soften the heart, salty to purify the soul, hot to thaw a frozen conscience, and bitter to disgust us with the world. Job 41, sorrow shall be turned into joy. Grieve your sin and then celebrate your grief for sin. Sixth, the biggest sins will find mercy with God. Jesus says to a prostitute, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Isaiah 1, though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. You know, scarlet is darkest purple, that red, deep, dark purple. Greeks called it deboson or Double dipped, dyed so nothing can fade its color. God's mercy unscarlets our sins. Will you repent now and repeatedly of your most heinous sins or multiply them by refusing to repent? Are you wondering what hope there is for us who relapse in sin? Perhaps during this series, you found yourself struggling again with an old sin. I want to offer some comfort to you. Drunken Lot slept with not one, but two daughters. Abraham lied about his beautiful wife not once but twice, exploiting her to save his own skin. Perhaps what ministered most to me this week, in the third and final year of Jesus' ministry, at his most mature, when he knew the most, when he'd seen the most, Peter sank like a fool on the Sea of Galilee, yelping like an injured dog, And then he rebuked Jesus, who calls him Satan. Then he immediately repeats his stupidity in front of Moses, Elijah, and a transfigured Jesus, so that God the Father himself has to rip heaven open and tell Peter to shut up. I think Peter's the only man that's been rebuked by two persons of the Trinity within a week. Peter then commits Jesus to pay a tax without consulting him, refuses to let Jesus watch his feet, sleeps not once or twice, but three times when a tormented Jesus begs him to pray. He jumps up to behead a man as Jesus goes to die for his own sin, for Peter's sin. Curses like a sailor, Peter does, and swearing in false witness, under oath, within earshot of Jesus, that he does not know him, not once or twice, but three times, even to young girls, running away himself like a crying little girl. Then he hides. After the risen Jesus has summoned him by name, he whines like a kid, if John will die like him. Then, after a decade of pastoral ministry, he refuses to obey the ascended king's repeated demands to eat like a Gentile, again, not once or twice, but three times. Peter then chickens out in front of the Judaizers, and so a young Paul must publicly confront him before the church. This is Peter, who ambitiously argues he's the greatest of all the disciples, again, not once, but even in the upper room just hours before Jesus dies. It was the same Peter who irritatedly asked how many times he has to forgive all the nasty sinners who constantly make his holy life a living hell. He asks seven times, that is, once a day. Jesus says, Pete, how about we start around 77 times? Now, does this Jesus urge such patience from pathetic Peter, but not pardon us? who, sadly, relapse in sin, but repent. Would Jesus hypocritically command us to do what he himself is unwilling to do for us? Unrepentant sinners will hear this and then relax in their sins. But despondent sinners, who fear repentance is hopeless for them, will hear and rejoice and slay their sins. Seventh, repentance is the inlet to spiritual blessings. Repentance is the Egyptian delta after the Nile's annual floods, a lush, fertile paradise. Repentant showers bring spiritual flowers. Repentant tears water the fruit of the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3 says, Whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we all, with unfailed face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed, that is, by Him, into the same image, from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. Luke seven forty-seven. Jesus says, those who are forgiven much, love much. Eighth, repentance even ushers in earthly blessings. Oh, we cannot speak of consequences for sin without recounting the benefits of obedience. Obedience. Read the Proverbs and realize that God rewards obedience. And so fill up God's bottle with repentant tears, and he will fill your basket with life's choicest joys. Ninth, repentance staves off judgment from an entire land. God relented when he saw Nineveh repented God has saved nations for just one repenter, Abraham for Zoar, Moses for Israel, and Babylon for Daniel. Tenth, repentance makes heaven the happiest place. Luke 15, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Why? They cheer the Savior's saving. 11. Consider how dear our sins cost Christ. We sin out of every faculty of our soul, every power. Of our soul, mind, heart, and will, and Christ bled from every vein. Could we hear him groan unshaken? Do we not sorrow over sins which made him the man of sorrows? Will not our sins that drew his blood? Draw our tears. Will I flirt with sin and thereby scrape the wounds of Christ open again? Twelfth, this is the aim of all suffering that God sends. Any displeasure, any time we want what we don't have or have what we don't want, God Is breeding in us repentance. Pain is not punishment from God. It's an alarm to repent. Why did God drop King Manasseh from a crown of gold to chains of iron? Scripture says he humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers, and then, here it is. He knew that Yahweh is God. When we're lethargic in heart, God puts us into extremes, extreme situations. God jumpstarts us by startling us. So we run to him. Are you suffering? Are you struggling? That is God's alarm to repent. Thirteen. The days of our sadness will soon be ended. After a few eye showers, it's going to be eternal sunshine. Revelation 7 says God will wipe away all their tears. Where we sighed, we'll sing. Groans to anthems, weeping to cheers. Fourteenth, the glories that follow after repentance should motivate us. Romans six twenty-two to 23, now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you have your benefit, leading to sanctification and the end, eternal life. Now, what is eternal life? It is to know the kings of heaven and earth and to reign with them on a new earth forever. What sickness will there be there but from love? love sickness things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man we've never imagined all that god has prepared for those who love him what comparison can be made between repentance practiced and glory prepared 15th the next motive is the evil of unrepentance a hard heart is the worst heart it's one of stone Why doesn't God call ours a heart of steel? Isn't steel colder and harder than stone? Yes, it surely is. But steel melts in fire. Stones do not. Unrepentance is like unmeltable stone. It grieves Christ. Mark 3, 5 Christ looked around at the self-righteous with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. He looks on the self-righteous with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. Doctors aren't mad at disease, but at patients who refuse the cure for their disease. It's not sin that angers Christ as much as refusal to repent of sin. Sixteenth a last motive to repent. Judgment is coming. Acts 17 says, God is now commanding men that everyone everywhere should repent because he has fixed the day in which he will judge the world. Would you commit crimes outside a courthouse? The king will judge us for everything we've done. How sweet are our our discharge papers signed in the judge's own handwriting, better yet, in golden ink, in crimson blood. Finally, a few charges to repent as fast as possible. Now, God commands all men everywhere to repent god loves repenters in january's bleak midwinter they all perish who wait till fall after summer's fun repent of sin as speedily as speedily as you wish god to forgive your sin how fast do you want god to forgive your sin repent that quickly first now is the season of repentance and there is no other season given. Second Corinthians six says now is the accepted time. Now he hangs the white flag to parley with criminals. Now expires. Now won't last forever. Come now and make peace with God. Plant now. Harvest later. If you play now, you'll die. Second The sooner you repent, the fewer sins you will answer for. Some see a deathbed. Many die suddenly. Repent now, young one. Have less to answer. How much less? None. Jesus will answer. Your judge will be your advocate, according to 1 John two one he loves to plead on his blood for those broken hearted over their sins. Thirdly, the sooner we repent, the more glory we bring to God. Better to lose a life than the purpose of your life. Spend and be spent. Christ. Be weary in his work and never of it. Hard workers rest the best. It's the same in life and death. Invest his coins. He gives cities. Late repenters get crowns, but they are light. Fourth, postponing repentance at all is dangerous. Delaying is dangerous because sinning is poisonous. The longer sin is kept, the harder to repent. Delay fuels sins, hardens hearts, encourages devils. Weed fast before it roots. Ice hardens thicker with each winter's day. Postponing repentance is dangerous. We close with three expiration dates. You have three expiration dates. First, you have the expiration date of the gospel. Today is sunny, but the sun is setting Jerusalem lost that daylight. In Luke 19, Jesus says, my terms for peace are now hidden from your eyes. Revelation says that entire churches lose lamps if they do not repent. Secondly, you have the expiration date of your personal, individual grace from God. God may instantly end your spiritual activities. He can make preaching Prayer, fellowship, worship, a miscarrying womb, and dry breasts, according to Hosea 9. How can I know that grace is ending toward me? Well, let me ask you, are you more sensitive to sin, or are you less sensitive to it? God will soon say, let the one who is filthy remain filthy. Isaiah 29, he has poured over you a spirit of deep sleep. Oh, those words are words you never wish to hear. Thirdly and lastly, you have the expiration date of mortal life. Life is a candle snuffed any second. I've heard of brides who are buried in their wedding gown. Some did not see their wedding day. Some died on their wedding day unexpectedly. Thomas Aquinas says, God who pardons the one who repents has not promised to give them tomorrow to repent. At the time that Thomas Watson wrote this book, it was said that Norway had the fastest birds on earth Because they have the shortest days of sunlight and they must fly back quickly to their nests. Well, we mortals must fly fastest to repent. Would you assume that you'd reach a deathbed? Will you have your mind about you when you're on your deathbed? Do you know that you will repent when you're on your deathbed? Sickness doesn't strengthen. Sickness distracts. Sickness makes us impatient, not repentant. How do sinners typically react in suffering? Revelation 16 sees the end of the age. They blasphemed the name of God and did not repent. Why do you assume God will give you the grace to repent? Watson says, The Lord usually punishes neglect of repentance when healthy with hardness of heart when sick. Oh, I pray that you would meditate on these truths and repent fast. As Hebrew 3, 7 says, today, hear God's voice. Father, we ask that by your grace, you would grant us the gift of repentance. And we pray it. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for joining me for this sermon from the Trinity College and Young Adult Ministry. We would love for you to join us in person soon. For up-to-date information, follow our Instagram at trinityc.ya. For information regarding Trinity Community Church, visit trinitycc.com. And if you're interested in a great Bible college here in the area, check out calchristiancollege.edu until he returns may the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine upon you